Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this special Christmas message. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at the Bridge Springfield. Most of you know that I really have a great sense of humor. And uh, so I want to give you a special Christmas gift this morning. I don't just have one joke for you this morning. I have three. Thank you. you. Please hold your applause to the end. What did one snowman say to the other snowman? Do you smell carrots? Okay. Let's try this one. Never, listen, this is good advice. This is really good advice. Never catch snowflakes with your tongue until all the birds have gone south for the winter. And this is my favorite, and you'll understand why in just a moment. i got to get rid of these pens. I'm, yeah, that, anything up here that shouldn't be here bothers me. So anyway, maybe these jokes are the same way. Here, here it is. This is the grand finale. Promise it's the last one. What do you call a bunch of chess players bragging about their games in a hotel lobby? Chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. <laughs> Chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. Okay. Yeah. Are you booing because of the joke or because I'm singing? I know I'm not Seth, but you know, give me a, give me a, okay. On a more serious note. <laughs> Uh, Dennis and I have been in a sermon series on the means of grace, and uh, he's not here today, so I'm going to veer, veer from that, and, and I'm going to talk about Christmas. And I am very excited to talk about Christmas, because Christmas has always been so meaningful to me. I, I remember in the fourth grade when I discovered some things that I thought were true that weren't. And uh, I heard the, the song Joy to the World playing on our big stereo that we had in our living room. It was a piece of furniture. You guys remember those things, the turntable and the speakers, and, you know, you put plants on it and all this. Um, we played vinyl, as they call it now. We used to call them LPs, but it's vinyl now. It's cool. But um, we had the local radio station playing, and, and uh, I heard the words to Joy to the World for the very first time that I ever paid any attention to them. And all of a sudden, the real meaning of Christmas hit me like a a ton of bricks. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Man, it was like, oh, Jesus coming. That's what this is about. This is really it. I felt like Charlie Brown when Linus got up on the stage and recited that very familiar passage from Luke that I'm about to read in just a moment. And he said, you know, this is about a baby coming who is Christ the Lord. And uh, this will be a sign for all people. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then there was this hallelujah chorus from heaven. And uh, basically the the punchline was, in the city of David today a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. And he walks off the stage, Linus does, and walks over to Charlie Brown and says, Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about. I remember in seventh grade, my dad got saved in, in the fall of, of my seventh grade year. And I don't remember, it was 1800 something, but anyway, it doesn't matter. And um, 
we started going to a little Presbyterian church. I had been going with my mom to this very religious, high church, ritualistic, smoking candles and all, you know. And, and I, I remember thinking when, when I was, you know, like second grade, I think, God, I, I, I don't want to go to hell. But if heaven is anything like the inside of that church, I don't want to go there either. Because that seemed like purgatory. <laughs> anyway, fast forward to seventh grade. My dad got saved, and we started attending this little Presbyterian church in Sheffield, Alabama. And it was, it was a traditional church. And we hit Advent, and suddenly I discovered the Christmas traditions of the traditional church. We started singing those beautiful hymns like we sang this morning, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and, you know, Come All Ye Faithful, and all those things. And, and my heart just began to... And I was also in the school choir, and that was before the whole separation of church and state thing really took hold. And we actually sang in our church choir recital just a few days before Christmas a bunch of Christmas hymns right there in the school in front of God and everybody. And my heart was just stirred and swept away by the thought that God the Son, the Son of God, would come to earth in a, in a form of a baby. He would take on human flesh. This is what we call the incarnation. Guys, don't, that's a 50-cent theological word, but it's one of the most important words you'll ever hear. The incarnation means that the God of heaven, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, left his Father's face, his presence, and came to this earth and put on our human, fallen, broken flesh flesh that could feel pain, flesh that could bleed, flesh that could die, wrapped himself in our humanity, in all of our brokenness, in all of our alienation, in all of our sin, in all of our wrongness, and took it to the cross to destroy the thing that alienated us from God. We're the ones that went into the far country. And Jesus did that so he could bring us back to the Father in himself. And this was the Father's idea, by the way. And so that's what we're celebrating right now. But I didn't understand all that. All I knew is that God had come as a baby. And I love the story of the, the wise men and the star and the, the shepherds and the angels. And, and the, this, this, this scene of Mary and Joseph in the manger uh, or in the, in, in the, you know, wherever they were. I, I've heard different versions of where they were. But there was no room for them in a regular room in the place where they were staying. And so they ended up staying in, you know, kind of in the outside of that. And they laid Jesus in the, in the feeding trough of the animals. That literally is true. That was his crib, feeding trough of the animals. And I was just absolutely fascinated by this. And I fell in love with Christmas, and I've been in love with it ever since. But it's come to have deeper and deeper meaning and so this morning, as I, as I jump into the scriptures, I want to I read two very different Christmas stories from two of the Gospels. There's only three Gospels that talk about Christmas, Matthew, Luke, and John. For some reason, Mark start, starts with the baptism of Jesus. And I don't have time to talk about the Matthew story this morning, so I'm going to focus on two different Gospels, John and Luke, and I'm going to start with John because... Here's what I want to point out this morning. We're going to get heaven's perspective of Christmas, and then we're going to get human perspective of Christmas. And they're going to come together in this meeting of the angels and the shepherds. 
And so I want you to listen very carefully because I'm going to explain what was happening on the heaven side of things as Jesus was coming, okay? And I'm going to bridge those two things with a poem. So I'm going to be reading from John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. And I'm going to give a little commentary as I go because this is important that we understand this. This is the meaning of Christmas, by the way. So John starts where Genesis starts. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And um, the first words in that are, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it starts with cre- uh, uh, Moses in Genesis starts with creation. John starts before creation. John starts back when it was just the Father, Son, and Spirit. And then brings it into our context now. So here it is. In the, in the beginning was the Word. We're going to find out in a moment that the Word was Jesus, the Son of God, the Logos. The Word, that, that means, the Word there means to describe, to explain, to reveal. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to describe, explain, reveal who, who the Father is, what his heart's like, who he really is. His love, his compassion, his mercy, his refusal to let us be lost in our sins. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word with there doesn't just mean that Jesus was in the presence of his Father. It means literally that he was face to face. The word is pros, and it means face to face. Jesus and the Father were eternally face-to-face in this familial relationship. They were family. The Spirit was there, too. And our Trinitarian three gods and three persons in one Godhead lived in relationship and love for the entire eternity before we were even created. And they had already determined to create us. There was never a time that you and I weren't in the mind of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Spirit. You have always existed in their minds until they brought you into existence. So you are eternal as they are in the sense that they knew you before the universe was created. That's what it says. You read it in Ephesians 1. That's what it says. That's all God has ever wanted was to to have us as his children and to be with us. Through him, all things were made. He was in the beginning with God. So so God the Son was in the beginning with Father. And through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. Do you understand what it's saying here? Jesus was in creation with the Father and everything came through him. And do you know it says in Colossians and Ephesians both that he holds all things together by his word. Every cell in your body is being held together by the word of Jesus. In him was life. He is the fountain, the origin of life. And that life was the light of mankind. So so (laughs) Jesus is light and life and light. And he's the one who explains God. He's the Logos. That light shines in the darkness, our darkness. You know, darkness really means blindness. Human beings had abandoned God and run into the far country as far away from, just like in the prodigal son story, we had abandoned God and run as far away from him as we could get because we didn't understand him. 
we were scared of him. Just like the Israelites were scared of him. Said, don't, don't, don't let him, Moses, you talk to him. Just give us a bunch of rules. We'll keep the rules, but keep us away from him. You know, from eternity, all he's wanted is us with him. In the new covenant, it says, and I will be their God and they will be my people. And at the very end of time, when, when time runs out, when, that, when the new heavens and the earth, new earth come into existence, it says, and God will be with his people and they will be with him and he will be with them forever. That's all he's ever wanted is to be with you and me. We're the ones that left. We're the ones that ran into the far country. So the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the darkness. That's the blindness that he came to set us free from. The very Son of God, God the Son, comes into the world, and the world doesn't even recognize its creator. Astonishing. But that's how blind we are as a race. Yet all, to all who, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Hallelujah. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh, that baby in the manger, and made his dwelling right here with us. And guess what, guys? He's never left. I know about the ascension. I know that. He only went so he could come back in the spirit and bring the Father and the, and the spirit with him. Awesome stuff. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. You notice it doesn't say full of wrath and judgment. It says grace and truth. The truth that sets us free. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one, no one has ever seen God, the Father. But the one and only Son, who is himself God. And is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. Hallelujah. That's what was happening from heaven's side. The father turns to the son. Do you remember uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation? You remember John Luke Picard and then Riker, his, his right-hand man? They would have some problem in, in, out in the galaxies out there. And they would have a meeting, and they'd talk about the solution. And then Picard would turn to Riker, and he'd say, make it so, number one. We were in the far country. We were alienated from God. And the father turns to the son and says, it's time. Make it so, number one. Go get them. Go destroy their alienation, their sin, their wrongness, all that junk that's, that's keeping them from me, and destroy it on the cross, and then bring them back to me, fit for my presence. Hallelujah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So how about from our perspective on this side of things? I'm going to read the story I read last week. I'm going to read a little slower, and I'm going to make some comments here. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus 
that all of Rome, actually it is, should be registered. It says all the world, but it was the Roman world. The census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. You, you see, Israel was now a little, um, uh, a little outskirt of the Roman Empire, dominated by the Roman government. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were complete, completed that she should be delivered. And she bought, brought forth her firstborn son, Firstborn of God, firstborn of Mary, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. I want to pause there for a moment and read something to you. We'll pick this up again. I love this poem. It's called The Mission. I heard this when I was in college, and I just had to have it, found it somehow. And I want to read this to you. The planning for this mission had begun long ago, in eternity before creation. Now everything was ready. You understand, of course, that this is entirely voluntary, a deep voice began, and that I am their only hope, he finished. He looked around him one last time. His home was a place of light and warmth and beauty. He loved it here, but he had to go save them. They won't receive you well. In fact, they will consider you a troublemaker. <laughs> they love their own ways too much. He nodded, but they need me. <laughs> he said, smiling. They approached the chasm, and he felt a cold draft. It was dark over there and noisy. Shouts of anger, screams of pain, moans of despair. They are so far away, he said. They are so far away. But because of you, they will be brought near, his father replied. He studied his father's face, his loving face, and embraced him one last time. And turning, he stepped across. For a while, it was still and black, and then he saw a feeble light. It hurt his eyes, and he began to cry, a lonely, wailing sound. Then he heard a voice, Mary, you have a son, just as the angel said that you would. Joseph said, holding her close, looking at the newborn baby boy, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger. And there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Have you ever been outside at night just looking up in the stars? You know, it's dark, and you can see all the stars, and it's beautiful. What if suddenly you saw 
this angelic being, like bright as the sun, appear, and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord is just engulfing you. I think that would be a little disconcerting. I don't know about you. I might even wet my pants, but anyway. <laughs> and the angel said to them, now, now, I want you to listen to every word the angel says, because this is good news. This is the gospel. This is for us right now, right here in your chair. This is for you, because this is God's heart. This is the Father's heart for you. He doesn't want you to be afraid of him. I hate religion that scares people. You're never going to hear a sermon from this pulpit where we try to scare the hell out of you. We want you to know the love of God, the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything that he's done for us, and that he has destroyed religion and everything that separates us from God on the cross. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Any time in the Old Testament that people encountered angels or the presence of God, they were terrified. Gideon was terrified. Moses was terrified. You, you name it, they were scared to death. And they always had to be told not to be afraid. I bring you good news, good tidings, good news. That's what gospel means. The, the vision statement for this church is the gospel changes everything. The good news of what God has done for us in Christ and what Christ has done for us to bring us back to the Father in, in our alienation, living in the far, the, the far country. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Don't be afraid. I bring you tidings of joy. You can't have joy and be afraid at the same time. It's just not possible. And what does God want for you? Does he want you to be afraid? No. He wants you to be filled with joy because of what Christ has done for us and to us and with us, by the way, which will be to all people. <laughs> this is not just the Jews. This is not just the, the shepherds. This is to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David the little town of Bethlehem, not in the just... Five miles away, there was the epicenter of religion for the Jewish people. The high priest and all the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law, the seminary was there. All the uppity ups in, in Judea, Jewish religion were there. And they had studied and studied and studied, waiting for this Messiah to come. They had no idea what they, they, they were just waiting for a military leader to deliver them from their oppressors. They didn't understand this was God in human flesh until this statement right here. Listen to this. For born to you this day, you shepherds, not you uppity-ups, but the shepherds, they were the, kind of the lowest of society. If, if, if the news was good for them, it's good for all of us. You understand that, right? In the city of David, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord. Messiah the coming deliverer is God in human flesh. Come on. This was news of the highest order. This was fresh revelation. No one ever associated Messiah with being God. That wasn't in their minds. Now listen to this. This is awesome. This is so good. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe 
wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about God and Savior. I thought we were talking about Messiah. What do you mean a baby? I want to show you something. When it says in in, in this verse, when it says, and this will be a sign to you, the angel was referring back to Isaiah 7, uh, verse 12, and this will be the sign to you. Same, it's almost exactly the same phrase. The shepherds, if they knew their Old Testament, they probably did because you were trained in this stuff from an early age. The virgin that's prophesied about, I mean, that, that is fulfilled here in, in Luke 2, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There were probably a few people named Emmanuel. I don't know. I know there are today. But, and I'm, I'm sure that people weren't really thinking, oh, God's going to come in human flesh and dwell among us. I think that's a foreign thought to the Jews because God couldn't be contained. He was, he was ruler of the universe. And yet, she will give birth to a son and we will call him God with us. Now, if there was any mistaking, you know, a mistake about that, let's look two chapters later in Isaiah chapter 9. Do you have Isaiah 9? For unto us, this, this is phenomenal, this is mind-blowing here. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, this child, this son that's born to us, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What? Are you kidding me? Now look at the next one. And of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness. This baby boy, this baby Jesus, wow, that is just mind-blowing. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. We're going to worship God in the highest. But in the city of David is born to us a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a baby. Baby nursing, having his diaper changed, having to be fed during the middle of the night. All the things that babies are, that was Jesus. Some, some hymns say that he never cried. That's, that's ridiculous. He cried. He woke Mary up. Mary and Joseph had to get up and take care of him during the night. They had to change his diaper. I know it was swaddling cloths, but, you know, they didn't have pampers and stuff back then. Can, can you imagine that? He wrapped himself in our flesh. He became us so that he could take us back to the Father, so we could be in the family that we were created to be in. You and I were created to be sons and daughters of the living God. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus had to suffer so that he could bring many sons and daughters into glory. (laughs) We don't realize how how big we are in the bigger scheme of things, how important we are. 
I'm convinced that you and I are the focus of God's attention 24-7, 365 for as long as we've existed. He never takes his eyes off you, and don't be scared by that. He adores you. He loves you. In fact, he's saying about you the very same thing he said about Jesus at his baptism. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love and whom my soul delights. He's saying that about you. Jesus came, wrapped himself in human flesh. I'm going to say it again. It, it, it bears repeating. He wrapped himself in our brokenness, in our wrongness, in our alienation, in our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. <laughs> the prodigal coming home. You know, I'm, I'm just going to say this, and for what it's worth, the story of the prodigal son, the elder brother in that story was a jerk. He represented the Pharisees and the uppity-ups that the angel didn't appear to. But in our story, the elder brother is Jesus, and he's gone into the far country, and he's sacrificed everything to bring us back to his papa. He's wrapped us in his righteousness, and it's not, it's not that we're filthy rags underneath our, his righteousness. No, he has made us righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Your sin was paid for 2,000 years ago on the cross. It was dealt with. It was removed. Your alienation, your wrongness. And, and you are, in the eyes of God, really righteous. He's not looking at you through rose-colored glasses or blood-colored glasses or whatever you want to say. He's looking at you as he looks at Jesus. Your sin is gone. Your wrongness is gone. Your alienation has been dealt with. And you are now brought back in the Son. The Son has returned with you in him. It's not just what Jesus did for us, but it's what he did to us and with us. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly there was an with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, good will toward human beings, humankind, us. God's good will is toward us. His good will. Do you understand what we're saying here? There's nothing, that, listen to those words. Joy. Good news, good tidings. Don't be afraid. <laughs> All people. <laughs> good news. Goodwill toward men. It's all good. It's all good coming from the Father. This is the angel is bringing a message from the Father, and it's good, and it's about you, and it's about what he's done for, for you. Thanks for listening to this special Christmas message. We hope the reality of the gospel brings you hope and joy this Christmas season and that it changes your life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com.